Thanks, Perry. This is the time of the year to sing songs like that. This is Easter season coming up, and uh, we need to really celebrate the death of Christ and his resurrection. Amen? Yeah, amen. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 21, and we'll start at verse 1 when you get there. As we continue on, the lessons overlooked, lessons from the book of Revelation. You know, there's lots of things that you can miss if you're not paying attention, if you're not looking and listening to the voice of God as he speaks from his word. That's one of the most important things. As Baptists, we believe in bringing our Bibles to worship, right? Amen? Yeah, amen. And if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we forgive you. I know God forgives you. Now, there should be one right in front of you in the, in the, in the pew. Uh, should be a, a Bible there. You can turn to the very end of the Bible, and you'll find uh, Re Revelation 21, verse 1. It says, Then John is speaking, and he's finishing up his visions. And he says in verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. And he who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Father, we thank you for the, the encouragement and the comfort of these words. Father, these words, this passage here this morning that we're looking at, Father, we take great comfort from these because this is our future. This is what you have in mind and store for us, your people. And Father, we know that you want more people in heaven besides us. You want more people to come to saving faith in Christ besides us. We're glad that you want us, and you do, and we know that you do, but we know that you want more. Father, you want to be with your created beings, your creation. And so, Father, we want to be with you. And, Father, today we need you to be with us in a powerful way. Not just for the next few minutes as we go through the sermon time. Not just for this day, which is Sunday, the Lord's Day, but every day of our life. We need you to be with us, to strengthen us, encourage us, and Fill us and, and help us, Father, in this journey called life that you called us to follow you in. And so we pray for this. And we pray for those who, don't, who might not know you today. They might be here that, and, and that they would hear your voice, Lord, in a very powerful way, in a very personal way. That they would hear your voice and they would be drawn to you and to your son. And that they would come to saving faith in Christ as well. And that they would know about this living water. That they would drink from the living water. And let that drink of that living water flow into our lives to fulfill us as well, to revive and strengthen us as well. Thank you again for each person that's here. Thank you for allowing me to be your servant. I pray, Father, that you'll be pleased with all that I say and do in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Lessons often overlooked in the book of Revelation. We get caught up in the book of Revelation, all these visions, all these different things that are going on. The dragon is very appealing to, to, to want to know more about this dragon. Uh, the woman who rides the dragon, the, the, the different 
plagues, all this stuff that goes on, but we miss out on a lot of things that Revelation wants to show us and wants to tell us. Now, Christians have been around for 2,000 years. The church has been here for 2,000 years. And so the Christians have always looked forward to the day when Jesus comes back to this world. That's a key doctrine of the church, of the Christian faith, is someday Jesus is going to literally bodily come back into this world. And then the end will come. And when Jesus comes back to this world, God's kingdom will come to this world in a literal, absolute, and complete sense. Now, in a spiritual sense, God's kingdom is already here. It's already here in a spiritual sense. It comes because people are born again, right? Anybody here born again? I hope so. If not, we're going to have to open up the, the baptistry and really get a, get a lot of people wet. That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it, to get a lot of people wet? Amen, yeah. It comes when people are born again and when people grow in their knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ. In Luke 17, verse 20, it tells us this. Once having been asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. So in a spiritual sense, the kingdom of God is here. It's in us because the Holy Spirit is in us. We belong to God. And God belongs to us. Amen. But Jesus also said in Matthew 24, verse 14, with this gospel, the king, I'm sorry, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Meaning the kingdom of God will come in a literal sense. So today's message, I put this together uh, to focus our attention on the literal coming of God's kingdom. That someday it is literally going to come into this world. Now, it's hard for us to imagine this because of the way our world is and how we've lived in it all these years and we've gotten used to it. But there's coming a day when things are going to be radically different. And I, look, I think about that and I look forward to that with great eagerness. Soon and very soon, the song says, right? Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. And that's true because it's from the scripture. Jesus taught his first disciples to pray this way. He said in Matthew 6, verse 9, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, God is, is ruler of this world. He's the creator, so he rules this world. But yet his kingdom is not fully here yet. It's partially here because we are experiencing his kingdom in our hearts and lives as he changes us through Christ and the Holy Spirit. But it hasn't come quite completely yet. Satan is still active in this world, so this world is still in rebellion. And yet God wants his, earth, his will to be done on earth as much as he has it done in heaven. So his kingdom must come. And so we're waiting to see what John got to see 2,000 years ago. John got to see all of this and write it all down 2,000 years ago. He got to see God's kingdom come. Wow. Number one on your outline this morning in your bulletin. should be on the back of your bulletin. Number one, John was allowed to see God's kingdom come true. Wow, what a vision. Look at verse 1 and 3 with me. John is writing, and he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God will be with them and be their God. 
Now, if you're a Christian, God is your God right now. But when he comes in a literal, completed sense, you will actually know. You will actually experience God as your God. What a privilege. What a privilege it must have been for John to see this vision. Yeah, what a privilege to hear God say that he'll live with us and we get to live with him. Man, what a privilege to experience that. By the way, this has always been God's plan. It's always been God's plan. After creating Adam and Eve, God would often go to the Garden of Eden, and there he would go to there to enjoy the creation that he had made, the, the flowers, the trees, the animal life, but especially Adam and Eve. He especially wanted to spend time with them. He especially wanted to spend time with them as their, as their creator. God has always wanted to be with us. Have you ever thought about that? He has always wanted to be with us. That's why Jesus came to this world and died on that, on that cross, on that, on that hill 2,000 years ago. It's why he was buried and, and rose up from the grave and overcame death. It's why the Holy Spirit comes to us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Because God wants to be with us. Our world doesn't hear that, do they? They either hear you're going dying and going to hell or everything's okay. They don't get to hear the, the real stuff. God wants to enjoy his creation. He made it so he could enjoy it. Think about that. But even the natural world that God created, even the natural world that God made and put in place has been corrupted by mankind's sin. We've, we've tainted everything. Have you ever thought about how sin has affected the world around us? Think of the floods that are going on in Nebraska right now, or were anyway. Might still be with the rain we've gotten lately. Tornadoes, hurricanes, earthquakes, mudslides. Think about all those things. And I haven't even talked about crime or war or evil or wickedness. Think about these things and you'll realize how, how powerful effects sin has on our world even right now today. God's creation. In Romans 8, verse 19 to 21, the Bible says this. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. What that means simply is all. Creation is waiting for all of the kingdom to be revealed, all the people of the kingdom to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage of decay. Is our world decaying around us today? It surely is. It most surely is. And brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. I love it when the Bible talks about freedom because we'll finally be free from the things that hold us back from God, the things that, that restrain us from a full relationship with God, for freedom from sin and its effects. What I like about verses 1 to 3 here in Revelation 21 is, is the idea that we don't go to go be with God so much as God comes to be with us. That's what I really like about this passage. Let's read that verses 1 and 2 again. John says, I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It's like God is coming down to us, to be with us, to prepare a place. He's bringing, he's bringing a new environment with him for us to live with him in, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Wow. It's like God wants to bring us and give us something incredibly great. Think of the best Christmas present or the best birthday present or the best gift you've ever been given ever. 
and it's a thousand times, million times better than that. Something you coveted and wanted so bad for so long, and finally you got that, but this is going to be so much better than that because it's from God. And it's not just getting into heaven as an escape from this world, this life, or hell itself, but that heaven itself will be a gift from God to his people. He's going to be presenting the world, the believers, the church, the new heaven and the new earth. He's bringing it down, saying, here, this is for you. I made this for you. Someday God's kingdom will come true. The Bible says so over and over and over. And then God will be with us and we will be with God if we follow Christ. Look again at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne. This is God speaking. Now the dwelling of God is with men. He will live with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Those three verses just there. Man, I don't know about you. I'm a bit jealous of John. He had to go through a lot to get to this point. A lot more than I've ever gone through. But I'm a bit jealous. He was privileged to see God's kingdom come true. Yes, it was a vision. Yes, he still lived in that cave or wherever he lived on the island of Patmos in exile, being persecuted. But he got to see God's kingdom come true 2,000 years ago. He got to see what God has in store for every person who loves and lives for Jesus. Wow, what an amazing vision. You know, I might be jealous, but I'm so glad that he shared it with us, aren't you? Yeah. How encouraging it is to hear about this vision. But also, second of all, how encouraging it is to hear that God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, there'll be no more tears. Did you see that? There'll be no more tears or mourning or pain and no more death. Point number two. There'll be no more tears, no mourning or pain and no more death. Look at verse four with me. Wow. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. This verse is often cited whenever heaven is talked about. Whenever someone talks about or preaches or teaches on heaven, they always want to bring this up because it's such a beautiful eye, uh, picture in your mind, mental picture, right? You, can you see what this world can be like? No tears, no mourning, no pain, no more death. That's almost too grand to imagine, isn't it? It's so grand, you can't really picture that. It's just too grand sound, sounding. All we know is the pain of this world, sorrows of this life, the tears of mourning. All we know is death, loved ones, friends, acquaintances, people that we respect and care about dying. Even the great Billy Graham died, didn't he? Yeah. In Lamentations 1, verse 16, Jeremiah wrote this. He said, this is why I weep. And my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me. No one to restore me. To restore my spirit. That's why Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. Because he cried so much for the loss of his people. And the suffering they went through because of their own sin. And he weeped how they would not listen to him. And how he tried to warn them. And how he had to suffer because of, of the sin of the people. I weep. Because there's no one near to comfort me. No one to restore my spirit. You ever feel that way? You ever feel that way? Like, man, I everything kind of just crashes down. Maybe it's for a week or two, or maybe it's for months. 
and life falls apart. We feel that way, don't we? And we wonder, who is there really to comfort us in this moment? It won't be that way in heaven. God just said so. It won't be that way in heaven. Then God's people will finally and forever be with God. He promised John this. Look at verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God says to John, write it down. I want you to write this down. I want this recorded because the church is going to need to hear this from in 2,000 years. It won't be that way in heaven because we're going to be with God. Jesus also made a very similar promise in John chapter 5, verse 24, where he said, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Yeah. What we need to hear more than anything else is not the voice of a preacher or a celebrity, but the voice of the Spirit. The voice of Christ saying, listen and live. That's what we need to hear. That's what we all need to hear. Those promises that say, someday you can be with me forever. God reaffirmed his promise about heaven to John. I find that incredibly comforting. I don't know about you, but I love it when God reaffirms his promises in Scripture. He does it again. God told John it is done. Look at verse 6, at the very beginning of verse 6. He says, he said to me, God said to John, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Have you ever made a promise you couldn't keep? Have you ever had a promise made to you that went unfulfilled? I think we most of us have, yeah. Well, that doesn't happen with God either. God doesn't do that either. He never breaks a promise, not one, not ever. He promised to send a Savior who come to this world to forgive our sins and rescue us, and Jesus came. Amen. Jesus promised he would die and spend three days in the grave, but would rise up, overcoming death, for, and live forever, and he did. And then he also promised to come back for his people, to this world for his people. Matthew 16, 27 for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he'll reward each person according to what he's done. Remember last week we talked about the, the throne judgment where the unsaved, the unrepentant, the wicked will go and be judged? That's what he's talking about there. We'll be judged as well, but not quite the same way as they. Then John says the offer of living water was given again. Verse 6 at the end, at the end of verse 6, he says, To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of water of life. Anybody thirsty this morning? Anybody need eternal life? Anybody dried out spiritually? Jesus says, hey, I'll give you water that will well up into spiritual life, into eternal life. The New Testament talks about living water or the water of life six times. And it's the only place, uh, the New Old Testament doesn't talk about the water this way. It talks about it in John chapter 4 where Jesus is with the woman in the well. It talks about it in John chapter 7. It talks about it in Revelation 7, Revelation 21, and here in Revelation 22, twice. This is a different type of water. Totally different type of water. It's the only thing that can truly satisfy us. 
really completely satisfy us. You know, I drink water all the time, right? Did anybody else drink water? Water is really good for you. You need it. So you drink it, but you get what? You get thirsty, right? Especially on hot days, you get real thirsty, and you drink more, but you need, you need to drink more. You, you get thirsty again. This is eternal life, water. When you drink this water, you're going to never be thirsty ever again. How do we get this? We get this from God. Because God is our creator. He's the only one who can give us this kind of life-giving water. The abundant life that Jesus talks about if we'll commit ourselves to him. This life-giving water can only be found in the kingdom of God. Go look with me at Revelation 22. Slip over there. Revelation 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river, the river, not a crick. Anybody know what a crick is? It's not an Indian. A crick is like a little stream, a tiny little stream that most of the time doesn't run. But this is a river. Think of the Mississippi River or the Amazon River, maybe greater. I think greater because it's heaven. Then the angel showed me the river water life as clear as crystal. Now, I live in Kansas, and I grew up half a mile from the Kansas River, and I never saw that water clean. Never, not once in all the years. But this water is clear as crystal. It's totally clean. Flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. I want to drink from that river, don't you? Yeah. I like to read about history a little bit, and I, I like to read about a man named Stonewall Jackson. He was on the wrong side of the war in history, but he was a very godly man, believe it or not. And he got killed by his own soldiers. And right before he died, the last thing he said was that us cross over the raw river and rest under the shade of the tree. You know what he's talking about? This right here. He was talking about this. He had taught this passage. He had taught the entire Bible, even to slave people. He had taught it. He taught it to all kinds of people. He believed in Christ. He believed he was going to go to heaven. And when he was at the moment of death, he said, let us cross over the river and rest in the shade of the tree. Talking about heaven. He wanted to be in heaven. Wow. That's where I want to be. I want to be at that river. I want to get down there, and I want to just stick my whole face and drink that water. Wow. Wow. God never breaks a promise, not one. He's promised us this right here. The New Testament talks about this living water, and it really gets me excited. Living water fills us with hope. It gives us strength of faith. It gives us spiritual renewal. It keeps us fulfilled. It will last us forever because it comes from the throne of God. He's the only one who can give it to us. Friends, don't overlook this. Don't overlook the wonderful things that the book of Revelation wants to show us or hear what it has to say because someday God's kingdom is going to be here. It'll come true. God promised it would, and so did Jesus. Revelation 22, verse 6. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. I know it's been 10,000 years or 2,000 years. I know that. 
I don't know when it's going to happen. It could be another 2,000 years. And if it's another 2,000 years, the church will wait and keep on going because Jesus said the gates of hell will overcome it. We'll keep on going and we'll wait for God's kingdom to come. And it will come. Then God told John something that you and I must listen to. We must listen to this as well. Look at verse 7. To him who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son or child, daughter. God told John, to gain your inheritance, to gain your heaven, your place with God, you must not give up. You must not give up. We can't give up ever. We can weaken. We can take a knee, but we can't give up. Last week I said 80% of the religious persecution taking place today is against Christians. And it mainly happens in other parts of the world. So far, the church in America hasn't experienced this kind of persecution that the other rest of the world has, that other Christians have. We get laughed at. We get made fun of. We're told we're ignorant for believing Jesus died and rose again. Or that we're stupid that there really is a God who made this world that just doesn't make sense to people. We get told, why, why believe in God, that God's in control if the world is such a mess, I've heard that from lots of lots of people, and they don't just understand. They don't get it. They can. They can get it from God. They can get the truth from God. The world works hard to tempt people away from God. The world constantly works to tempt people away from God. Look at our sanctuary today. Look how many empty seats there are. We invite people. The world lures people away from God. I believe as the end gets closer, that temptation to draw away from God is going to grow stronger. I really do believe that. I believe that's beginning to happen now. I also believe persecution is going to get even worse. Even for Christians here in America, we're going to experience persecution. I don't know if it's going to be in my lifetime or, or my grandkids or whenever. I don't know. It could start next year. It could start today. I don't know. But I think when the, as the time comes quicker and quicker to the end, persecution and temptation is going to go stronger. Satan will fight to the very end. The Bible tells us this, by the way, anyway, in 2 Timothy 3.12, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and apostles go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue what you've learned and become convinced of. See, we can't give up. God's not going to take your salvation away from you, but you can give it up. You can lay it down walk away. That doesn't happen very often, and I don't, I don't want that for anybody, but we can't give up. We have to persevere. How do we do that? How do we keep our faith in Jesus when temptation is so powerful and persecution becomes unrelenting only by the power of God? We've got to lean on God. We've got to stay close to God as, as much as we can. In 1 John 4, verse 4, speaking to Christians, John said this, The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That's right. So trust in him. Rely on him. You're going to go weak. You're going to, grow, you're going, you're going to need strengthening. Trust in, in, in the Holy Spirit. Trust in the one who's in you, the Spirit of Christ. The only way to overcome temptations and evil of this present age is through the presence and power of God in your life. That's the only way. It's the only way to get rid of those things that hook us, that connect us or pull us away from God. The only way to have God in your life is what? To ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. It's the only way. Are you willing to do that today?
Anybody here willing to do that today? Are you willing to ask Jesus to forgive you your sins, become your Lord and Savior, so that you can spend eternity with God and he'll be with you? Or are you going to turn Jesus away today, maybe like you did last Sunday? Let God speak to you. Let God's Spirit move your heart. We're going to sing without him. Without him, I could do nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail, right? Without him, I'd be drifting like a ship without a sail. Jesus, oh Jesus, do you know him today? Do not turn him away. Let's stand. Let God speak to your heart today about your life with him, your walk with him. Maybe you need to come to faith in Christ. Maybe today he's really tugging at your heart to give your life to Christ. Maybe you have and you've never been baptized and you need something like that to really get you going. Or you need to rededicate your faith in Christ, start over again. Or join the church family or come up and pray with me or, or Anna or somebody or by yourself. Let God move you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for the river of life that you have prepared for us that we might drink from it and drink your water of life and have that wonderful life-filling, life-renewing water that, that you want for us to have. I just pray today you would speak to each person that's here. Where are they at with you, Lord? You speak to them, Lord. You draw them to yourself. Draw them to Christ. We thank you for this in Christ's name. Amen.